It's time for JT the Brick. The summer of Cliff. Cliff Ranch, all summer long. Prepare your phone call. I want Cliff content from you. I stopped into a Walmart. I had no idea he was there. I, we talked a bit about some old Raider stuff. He was super. We went back and forth. I think every current wide receiver in it, not only in the NFL, but every current wide receiver, period, needs to be at that induction thing for Cliff. JT the Brick. I want to know when you met Cliff, what your favorite play was with him. So we had a blast. We hung out in there. It got pictures of the boys with the ring. Talked to him a little bit. Cliff Prince was was a standout player. The way he ran his routes, his hands, his speed was unbelievable. The plays that I recall with Branch was him going down the left sideline, getting behind the DB, and his left hand going up, give me the ball, give me the ball. As we count down to Cliff, the summer of Cliff on the flagship. And now, here's JT the Brick. JT with you, hour number two of the show on Monday as rookies have reported to training camp, brought to you by Sam and Ash. SamAndAshInjuryLaw.com because you deserve what's right. You get two for one, two great attorneys for the price of one. There are personal injury attorneys here. We have them on the radio all the time because we trust them. If you get into an accident after you get safe off the side of the road, don't listen to other insurance people calling you, ambulance chasers, all that. Get to Sam and Ash. They'll take care of you. There are people and we really care about them sam and ash because you deserve what's right i want to get into golf here in a moment also my conversation earlier today on nfl radio as you'll hear what i do on the side which is go on other radio shows representing the raiders and today was a lot of fun as camp is underway for rookies also the raiders put out Devonte adams has a 99 overall madden rating and he's a nine three time 99 club member so that's the highest you could be, and that's pretty cool. So all Madden, a new team, same 99 rating. Welcome back to the hashtag 99 club, Devontae Adams. Pretty cool as that goes underway. And look, my son's playing Madden, and you might play Madden, and it's just nice to see more Raiders and more Raiders going up and getting higher grades as we consider what it's going to be this year to get those stars playing on the same page so the Raiders can get out of the gate and win a game early at the Chargers to open up the season. NBA Summer League just came to an end. Congratulations to Albert Hall and the entire team that put that on. Uh, my son, one of my youngest son, my youngest son went to the last night, the championship game, and the energy was great. It's not the NBA, it's NBA Summer League, and it fills up hotel rooms, it gets people out. People had a great time, and we're a part of that. They reach out to us, and a lot of our hosts were there, our engineers who were there, our live broadcasts that were over there, Congratulations for everybody pulling off Summer League one more time. Really important. Uh, the topic today is you guys out there and gals sending a message to the Raider rookies. No practice. We're not sitting there talking about the rookies out there with the veterans. They reported today. You know who the rookies are. We've interviewed a few of them already. Let's wish them well and find out what needs to happen for these rookies to participate this year in real games. Aparnum playing up front on the offensive line. I think he's going to play and get reps. Will he start? I don't know. He's a third-round pick, the highest pick for the Raiders this year. The rest of that, can Zeus at running back get out on the field and play? Yeah, I think he's going to not only play, but I think they're going to count on him a lot to run the ball and, and to be an impact guy up the middle of the field and maybe be explosive. The rest of the guys going to be a work in progress from the offensive line to defensive tackle and how to get in the rotation so we can get this thing rolling. I'm excited. Everybody should be really excited. Uh, Darren Waller also should have a breakout year. 
Can Darren Waller have an outstanding year so he can get back on top of the Madden ratings and be a guy everybody's talking about? We really pull for Darren around here. Hopefully he has a healthy year and plays great right out of the gate. Raider Ness in Santa Clara. Start us off this hour on the Raider flagship. What's happening? Hey, what's up, JC? Thanks for taking my call. Thank uh, you. You kind of touched on it already. I did have a question about Zeus and your opinion on him. Mm. Uh, you did. You gave that answer already. I appreciate it. I just wanted to give some input. That man just looks different from Josh Jacobs. I'm, I'm, I'm not mm. taking anything away from Josh. He played his butt off for us. He played his first year, uh, half the season, with a fractured shoulder. I'm not mm. questioning his grit. It just comes down to how you're going to perform on the field. And Josh has, unfortunately, been on the decline. And I, I am mm-hmm. looking for Zeus to, to take over that running back. Um, also, on a side note, uh, you, you were talking about the, the Madden ranking. JT, do you really think that Mark Andrews should be above Darren Waller? No. Thank you for taking my call. No, I don't. No, not, I don't at all. But Darren was hurt a bunch last year, and, and that had an effect on that. Getting back to Zamir White. I have the new Arlad's Guide and Recap of the Draft and Free Agency. And this is what they say about White, who came in at running back. Zamir White was traded up for for using their original fourth and two seven-rounders despite two torn ACLs dating back to high school. White was the eighth back off the board. His bruising style will fit in well in how much Josh McDaniels likes to rotate his interior running backs. The way he overcame the adversity was a major draw to general manager Dave Ziegler as he tries to build the culture with his vision. The fact that he opted to decline Josh Jacobs' 50-year option may have something to do with that as well. The team did not want to wait long before picking again. And Zamir White's going to have an opportunity to play here, but that running back room is very full. Josh Jacobs, Britton Brown, Kenyon Drake, Brandon Bolden, Amir Abdullah, Zamir White. They can't carry everybody. They can't. Uh, but special teams will come out of that, too. And he's a young kid who's got big energy and can play special teams. Special teams are still important, and it's very important to the Raiders. All right, I didn't get a chance to mention the golf yesterday. So late night at Journey, I didn't get up at 4 in the morning to watch the golf, but I picked it up around the ninth, 10th hole. And Cameron Smith started off down four strokes to Rory McIlroy. Down four. He made the turn at nine, and he was down three. There was no way he should have been able to track down Rory McIlroy. Rory McIlroy had an opportunity to win his fifth major. He was in the league. And then Cam Smith just went on a run with all of these birdies. And he, he ended up 20 under. He shot 30 on the back nine at, at, at St. Andrews. Incredible. It's one of the greatest rounds ever played. Ever. I'm talking 100 years of golf as he came in. So I, I cannot believe that. He was able to do it. He's got the big flowing mullet. He played great. He played much more aggressive than Rory McIlroy, who we'll get to. So Cam Smith has won the Open Championship on the 150th anniversary. Here's what he said right after winning the tournament. Probably one of the best fields in golf, if not the best field in golf. And to get away with the win there definitely was a a bit of a confidence booster. But I I don't know. It's going to be tough to beat this one, I think. I want to hear from Rory McIlroy. We have Rory McIlroy. Here he is with NBC after the loss. I'm here with Rory McIlroy. Rory, eight years since your last major, certainly not the finish you had envisioned here at St. Andrews. Can you share what your thoughts were coming off the 18th green moments ago? Um, yeah, just disappointment, I guess. You know, I, I had a, a great opportunity just today to, to add to that major tally, and I didn't quite get it done. Um, 
didn't feel like I did many things wrong, but um, the putter just sort of uh, went cold on me there pretty much throughout the round. Um, I did what I wanted to do. I played a really controlled round of golf. I, you know, I, I didn't take advantage of some of the, the holes that I had been taking advantage of um, this week. And, uh, you know, when, when both Camerons, but especially Cam Smith, went on that run in the back nine, um, you know, I really had to try to dig deep to make some birdies, and I and I just couldn't. So, um, you know, I've I got beaten by the the better player this week to go out and shoot 64 to, to win an Open Championship at St Andrews is is a hell of a showing. And um, you know, hats off to Cam. He's he's had an unbelievable week. That's pretty impressive. They said he lost to the better man. He did. He lost to a guy who shot 30 on the back nine. 30 on the back nine, and he ends up winning a major coming from behind. And beats a guy who's got four majors. And that guy, Rory McIlroy. It was a tremendous victory. Really was a fabulous round of golf coming from behind. I mean, if you're a golf fan, that's about as beautiful and as cool as a round of golf could be your entire life. You're down four strokes, heading into Sunday of a major, and you win. And you win and you beat Rory McIlroy. And you beat him because you dominate the golf course. I don't care what Cameron Smith does the rest of his life. He'll have that major championship, and he will be that great, and that will stay with him forever. Now the Live Golfers reports are Henrik Stenson will leave. Uh, it could be as early as tomorrow on Monday, and he'll be the latest big name to go to Live Golf. Uh, there was a video that has surfaced. You've seen it on Twitter if you haven't. that shows the Live Golfers on the private jet with their caddies. It looks like a nightclub. It literally looks like a nightclub as Pat Perez is walking around and there's bartenders and there's literally like three guys waiting at the bar inside this private jet paid for by Saudi Arabia. And Dustin Johnson's on the jet and everybody's walking around. No one in seats with seatbelts on. It's just like a nightclub. And they're all hanging out and talking to each other. You don't think when more golfers see this, the video of what it looked like on the private jet, and then the fact that Cameron Smith won $2.5 million to win the Open Championship. Easily the biggest event in the world, other than the Masters. We're splitting hairs. And Brandon Grace in Portland, in Portland, Oregon, at Pumpkin Ridge, gets $4 million. $4 million to win a Live Golf event that only took three days. And then you get on a private jet, and they're serving you champagne and shrimp the size of your forearm, and you're dancing with the DJ in a bar. Look, this is real, man. This is real. And I understand why these guys are leaving for the money. I wouldn't, but I'm not good enough to be a professional golfer. But I'd turn it down. I support Jack Nicklaus, Roy McIlroy, Tiger Woods. But you got guys like Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, all these other guys who are going to play live golf, and they're going to make a ton of money to do it. So Dustin Johnson had an opportunity to win. He shot 69. He was in the hunt. 13 under should have won. You know, if you would have told me what was going to be the winning score, of the Open Championship, I would have said 9 under, 10, 11. Jordan Spieth shoots 12 under, and he's 8 back. Bryson DeChambeau shoots 12 under, DJ 13 under, and they're nowhere near Cameron Smith, who was able to win. So that's a big topic for me. Let's hear from some golf fans, because golf fans, you literally run away and disappear after the majors. Because I'm waiting to hear from golf fans to talk about this historic event Let's get it going at JT the Brick on Twitter. What was the key to Cameron Smith's win? And did Rory did Rory feel the pressure? I don't think he choked because he shot 70. If he would have shot 74, 73, I think that would have been a choke. But I think Rory really wasn't locked in because he had the lead. 
and he wasn't worried about Cameron Smith, so he did not play aggressively there. So I gave you the MLB draft, and we gave you the Open Championship to start it off. Let me get to baseball, where this Chris Sale injury, as the ball was hit right back at him by Aaron Hicks and blew up his pinky, where he broke his pinky. Here's the sound of the Sale injury in the Bronx. A smash back to Sale. It hits him on the left hand, and he is hurt. He immediately signals for the trainers. The ball winds up in right field. Torres scores from second. And safe at first is Hicks, and Chris Sale holding his hand up as if to say, my hand is damaged, and I'm coming out of the game. Oh, Oh boy. What else could go wrong? It was a line smash. That hit sale, it appeared around the left hand. We'll look at the replay and try to pinpoint exactly where it was. And then it ricocheted out into right field for a hit for Hicks. Torres scored with ease, and Sale, as soon as it hit him, held his hand up toward the dugout and started walking toward the dugout on the third base side, as if to say, I am done for the day. It was an absolute rocket off the bat of Hicks. That was amazing. He was really hurt. He put up his hand. You could see his pinky was disfigured. And the guy's got tremendous bad luck. Tremendous bad luck, especially against the Yankees. And it's a shame because he worked his butt off to get back and to try to help their, the team. And this is, you know, he'll be okay, but that's his pitching hand, everybody. That's his pitching hand with a broken pinky. So you can't count on him and how much he's going to be out. And the Red Sox, they're not going to catch the Yankees, and they're fighting for a wild card. So that's a big deal. And then finally, I want to get the Mariners here because the Mariners have won 14 in a row. This is the greatest winning streak in baseball history heading into the All-Star break. I picked them to win the AL West this year. I really liked the Mariners before the year started. Now they finally woke up. Julio Rodriguez is an incredible player. Here's his two-run double. Swung on and cracked high and deep to center field. This is launched and bangs off the wall. Around third base, here comes Frazier. Haggerty right behind him. He's going to score. Julio into second base. Slams a double off the wall, and the Mariners extend the lead. It is now 5-1, to one, M's. That's Mariners Radio on the call. So that's where we stand again. Let's get the phones going. Let's get people woken up. I gave you three big things to talk about. I got about six or seven more. Football isn't here yet. So we're leaning on these other topics before we get training camp and some other NFL topics, which are all really negative from Deshaun Watson and what's going to happen there. And I think that Deshaun Watson news could come down pretty quickly here as I'm suggesting maybe Wednesday or Thursday. And if that happens, how will that play out around NFL media? Remember, the NFL NFL network is the NFL. It just They happen to have their own network. So they're not going to be critical that critical of this decision here. The media, which is going to pounce on all of this, will be the outside NFL network media, especially based in Cleveland, as it has a big effect on Deshaun Watson's legacy and what's going to happen going forward. Home Run Derby is tonight. I'm on the radio tonight on SiriusXM. Pete Alonzo is going for his third. Albert Pujols is in it. It should look great. So these are one of those nights for me that I really got to work, right? Because this isn't a lot of hard work, but a lot of people are going to be watching the Home Run Derby, gambling on it here in Vegas, talking about it. Home Run Derby's fun. Uh, the MLB, the All-Star Game is also the greatest All-Star Game in all of sports. Why is that? Because they've kept the integrity of the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. The pitchers don't come in and throw batting practice. They come in and they throw an ace to start the game, and in the seventh inning, 
someone comes in to pitch one inning and he's an ace. You can see Justin Verlander or any pitcher pitch the fourth or fifth inning and you go, oh my God, he was just locked in and they're taking him out after 20 pitches and then they bring in another fresh arm. So it's hard to hit in the MLB All-Star game and everybody dives for every ball and it's just a game. They destroyed the Pro Bowl. We know that in Vegas. We watched it. They destroyed it. They didn't even tackle. Guys were like standing up, playing two-hand touch. Hockey's skill challenge, I think, is a mess. The NHL All-Star Game is an absolute joke. A joke. A three-on-three joke. It's embarrassing. And then the NBA All-Star Game has been useless other than the last five minutes of the game. Last five minutes of the game when they're playing to get money and to win the game, they play their ass off. But the first three quarters are a joke. That is not the case. We have a great tradition in America with the MLB All-Star Game. And I'm expecting it. Should be cool. Clayton Kershaw is going to start that game for the first time. It looks like Otani will not pitch. He will lead off the game and hit. He will lead off the game and hit, which I think will be a lot of fun there. And they got to let Otani stay in the game. It's another thing because Holtz is going to take someone's at-bats that he shouldn't take as a celebrity. Otani should not be removed from the game. I'm not saying he's got to play nine innings, but I would give Otani three at-bats. He's going to lead off the game and bat first. Then he comes through again, and he cycles through, and he bats again. Give him two at-bats and maybe a third. He's the biggest star at the All-Star game. So Otani's from Southern California with the Angels. they got to let him get three at-bats. Looking forward to that. And uh, later this week, Eric Allen is going to join us on Wednesday as the summer of Cliff Branch continues. So it's July 18th which is Monday, July 18th, and we'll be in Canton on Wednesday, August 3rd. So we've got a little over two weeks for the Summer of Cliff, and the guests have been great, and we need to hear more from you, the callers and the fans. We've got thousands of people listening who know Cliff Branch. Now's the time where I'm putting the pressure on you to get a Cliff call in and tell us what the impact he had on you as we get ready for this road trip. Triple eight, uh, excuse me, 702 365 9,200 as we continue on. No news on Kevin Durant, but there is a team that could be making a push. I'll tell you for that when we come back. Also, my appearance earlier today on NFL Radio, which I enjoyed. I don't go on as a guest to just do fluff. I support the Raiders and have their back. That's why they have me on. And I think you'll hear it, and I think you'll appreciate it coming up. As the Raiders are set, they open up training camp today with the rookies veterans later in the week as we're brought to you by grimaldi's best pizza i ever had four locations in the valley the brooklyn bridge the seas the salad the wine list and the cerveza yeah cliff Cliff is my best friend Um, we spend a lot of time together he was a champion on and off the field. Um, I, I brought up a story yesterday. I was doing an interview for the uh, Hall of Fame, actually on Cliff. And uh, in October, October 1, we had the uh, tragedy here uh, at Route 91. And eight days later, Cliff lived in Santa Rosa, and they had the Tubbs fire up there. His house burnt to the ground. One of his cars melted. The only thing Cliff left that house with was his three Super Bowl rings and and a car to get out of there. He lost all his memorabilia. He lost everything that was dear to him. But nine days later, he was here in Las Vegas 
for the opening of the of the Golden Knights first game. Was there for that, and then he and I went to see Jose Campos, who is the security guard, who was in MG in Mandalay Bay that night, uh, surrounded by FBI, all of those things. But he came down to meet with that young man and to help bring comfort and everything else to the Las Vegas community. That's the kind of guy Cliff was off the field. Tremendous commentary by Raiders owner Mark Davis on his best friend Cliff Branch. Welcome back to the flagship of the Raiders. And I remember that uh, deeply talking to Cliff after his house burned down. And Cliff just got out of there, as Mark said, with the clothes on his back, his Super Bowl rings. And he had enormous memorabilia. He had real memorabilia, his own memorabilia of his entire career, and it burned to the ground. And when they knocked on that door and they got him to finally leave that house, he got out alive. Barely got out alive, as a lot of people know the story of the individuals who were up there and how crazy that fire was and how quickly it grew and how people barely got out with their lives. And as Mark pointed out, uh, Cliff wanted to get right back into it. Uh, Mark helped him get new wardrobe, new clothes. Remember at that time, Cliff was wearing a lot of Raider stuff because he lost all his clothes. Everything he's had, his suits, his entire life burned to the ground. As Mark said, his car melted. And Cliff didn't, didn't make a big deal out of it. Cliff ended up doing the right thing, helping others, and had his life. And it's a tragedy that he passed away before what's coming up here at the Hall of Fame, but we're going to celebrate his life. Uh, Raider Dave, uh, thanks for calling in Denver. Good to hear from you, Dave. What's happening? Hey, it's great to talk to you, man. I'll tell you what, the uh, amount of uh, prowess that was shown and intestinal fortitude of my pick, Smith, to win that event is something that I don't think people you know understand enough because it just doesn't happen like that in golf. I mean, that's like you know some of the greatest comebacks in, in football history where you're going to come from 27 down or something like that and just take it away, just own it. And I really thought that uh, Saturday, I was really curious about the decisions that were made in a mid-hole uh, where he ended up with the ball about knee-high and he hit out of a bunker and the, the – the broadcasters called it specifically. He was going to shank it off to the right, and he did. He made a couple more mistakes. I really thought the tournament was going to be over for him at that point because then he fell so many holes behind. But as far as Cliff goes, you know, I know they don't end up um, doing speeches anymore to introduce mm-hmm. people, but I think when the Raiders have somebody in there, there's so many great, iconic people that can speak on these players that I feel like Raider – uh, not Raider Nation Radio, but the uh, the Raiders app or the Raiders themselves could go ahead and post up a speech like that that all the rest of Raider Nation could enjoy by, you know, clicking in on it and and being able to enjoy that part of it. It's a shame that that's gone from from the Hall of Fame. But uh, as far as watching rookies, you know, who's going to play here, who's going to play there, it'll all sort itself out. And I think that's one of the most exciting parts about preseason we got mm-hmm. four games this year they're not going to play a bunch of starters in the first couple of games so be excited about watching these guys come into their own and uh we're going to be excited here with our raider chapter in colorado springs we're going to have hondo carpet come out and do a raider party here at the end of the month and uh it should be a fun time i'm excited for the preseason as well as the season um you're right about some of these guys that just can't uh come into rock and roll and uh and 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 take place of others but in in your case where you saw uh journey he does a magnificent job you and i both agree that nobody will ever replace neil pert and nobody's trying have a great day thank you a very well versed phone call thank you raider dave well thought out there 
You know, when it comes to the Raiders rookies, they didn't pick till the third round. Dylan Parham comes in, and he is an offensive lineman that should be a starter at some point early in his career, either this year or next year. We'll see how he competes and who he's able to beat out and if he has a chance to do that. But there aren't a lot of battles and position battles this year, which is a good thing. I mean, you bring back Jonathan Hankins to start, and you bring in a bunch of younger defensive tackles. They're going to be there on a rotation basis. We know who's starting in the secondary. we got a pretty good idea. Jonathan Avon, Trayvon Merrick, Trayvon Mullen, Rocky Yassin. Right, so we have an idea. There's not like a rookie or a free agent rookie that wasn't that wasn't drafted that's going to win a position there. The, there's not going to be a tight end that jumps over Foster Moreau and Darren Waller. There's not going to be a receiver that takes any snaps away from Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. So when I look at this rookie class, look if the Raiders had two first round picks, right? So say they had two top twenty five picks, you would say, well, both of these guys are going to start. That's not the case this year. So we're talking about depth. I wanted to get to Richie Incognito, as uh, was it on Thursday and Friday, and he announced his retirement. And Richie has had a long career as a football player and had a lot of adversity, ups and downs on and off the field. But he really embraced being a Raider when he finally got to this organization. Here was his comments at his presser. You know what? It was a great journey, man. It really was. You know, we've I've had my ups, my downs, my in-betweens. But, you know, I'm most proud of, coming back each time, being faced with a set of adversity, me collecting myself, collecting my thoughts, growing as a person, and then coming back and, and answering the bell. And uh, just to be able to do that and to play in the trenches for so long and to play a physical brand of football. And, you know, I just want to let the fans know, you know, that that was my passion for the game. That was my love for my brothers. Um, I went out there to put on a show every week for the fans so that they were would enjoy the games and, uh, it's been a, been a long career. Um, when I got to Oakland with Coach Gruden and Mayock and Mr. Davis, they just embraced me as one of their own. They trusted me to help lead their men, and uh, it's great. It's a, it's a really great day for me to retire a Raider. Yeah, he wanted to retire a Raider, and again, I wish he could have played more. He wasn't available. He was injured a lot, but he tried. He busted his ass in the weight room through rehab to try to play more, and it didn't end the way he wanted to, but he loved the organization, which is really the key when you hear once a Raider, always a Raider, and especially what he did up front to help Colton Miller. I thought this was a really good story. Absolutely, man. You know, I was, I was brought in to bring some consistency to Colton to help calm him down, you know, get him to play pro-style offense. You know, I, I came in, and uh, my first snap as a Raider, I got my stance, and Colton is, you know, 55, 22. I told we got back to the huddle, and I said, listen, brother, you be quiet out there. Me and Rodney are going to talk, and I'm going to tell you what to do on every play. You don't even have to think. So to see Colton, you know, uh, drop the training wheels and really just kind of come into his own, he's a, he's a stout left tackle. He's one of the best left tackles in the league. You know, I'm most proud of my work with Colton to my left and then Andre James in the middle. You know, we basically all lived together, the three amigos in Oakland. Uh, we forged a friendship and a brotherhood and a bond. And, you know, I help guide those guys, help guide those guys to be better players, be better people, you know, to be financially secure. Um, and, yeah, my role when I came in, I've always given back, but when my role here with the Raiders, we had such a young roster. We had all the guys coming up through the pipeline, Hunter Renfro, Max Crosby, Foster Moreau, Alec Ingold. And to be able just to be there and be a rock and be a leader for those guys, show those guys how to work hard, show those guys what it looks like to be a pro every day, 
that's what I'm most proud of. I'm most proud to to see these guys take their career to new heights. You know, Max Crosby is a nightmare coming off the edge. The guy is just grit, determination. I see a lot of myself in Max. So uh, to be a part of that, to pass on the game, to pass on the knowledge, you know, the life knowledge, the game knowledge, uh, I took great pride in that. I that Richie loved the Raiders. He loved playing football. And he wants to be a part of this organization going forward. I don't know what's going to happen with him as a coach or what's next with him around the organization, but he's very passionate about it. You know, I'm very passionate. Uh, earlier today, I was on Sirius XM, the NFL Blitz, as a guest with Bruce Gradkowski, former Raider quarterback, and Bill Leckis, as Raiders training camp opened for the rookies, and they had me on their show. JT is Bruce Gradkowski and Bill Leckis. How you doing today, man? Great, Bill and Bruce. Good to be on. And yes, training camp rookies are here in Henderson, Nevada, the start of a very long, very long season for the Silver and Black. Well, how long is it going to be? I mean, Bruce and I were joking around a little bit, but we were talking about the two teams reporting today, the Bills and the Raiders. And the bar is set extremely high for the Bills, but it's also got to be set high for the Raiders with the moves they made this offseason and coming off a playoff appearance. So how high should that bar be set in that very tough AFC West for Las Vegas? Well, Bill, if you listen to the mainstream media, Every year, they give the Raiders no respect, none. They, they won against Denver the last four games and helped get Vic Fangio fired, and Vegas has Denver winning more games. They knock Justin Herbert out of an option to play in the playoffs, knock him out, Raiders go to the playoffs, and they act like the Chargers went to the AFC Championship game. Kansas City deserves the respect in the division as the perennial leader in the Mahomes era, and that's it. Let's not forget the Raiders won 10 games and got better. They got better. They added better pieces than they had when they left the field in Cincinnati in a playoff game that I thought they should have won. You know, first and goal on the nine with an opportunity to tie that game and win that game. And now everybody seems to forget that. And you hear the moniker, well, they're the fourth best team in the AFC West. They have the fourth best quarterback. All this garbage every year. And now you got a new coach, a new GM, Devontae Adams, better players. So I expect the Raiders to make the playoffs and be better than the Chargers in Denver once again. Wow. that You know, that's so many good points because – we tend to forget about that game against the Chargers. In the key games towards the end of the season, the Raiders had to win to get in the playoffs. Talk about this offseason between Josh McDaniels, Derek Carr. What do you think this offense is going to look like with Josh McDaniels at the helm? Bruce, it should be really good. I mean, I respected John Gruden heavy as a play caller. And the, and the way that Carr was in his fourth season with him and really understood the offense. And then when you know, they made the coaching change with Rich Passaccia, I thought they, they ran the ball without a purpose. They ran the ball a lot into the line of scrimmage. They didn't have a purpose with their running game because their offensive line is the weakest part of the team. And they really didn't do a great job. So Josh McDaniels comes in and Dave Ziegler, the GM, and they really build the the, the running back room to now it's loaded. I mean, to the point where you wonder who's going to make the team because they got veterans and they got Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs. They brought in a young back out of Georgia. So I think they're going to run it more with a purpose, a lot of play action. Devontae Adams, the best receiver in football, Derek Carr's roommate in college, they'll have a big year. But I think the key to this year is the growth of Hunter Renfro coming off 100 receptions and having a great year, and Darren Waller being healthy. You know, Waller has not gotten that contract extension yet, 
and he's kind of playing for his future, and he's a hell of a player. He's got to have an explosive, dominant year. And if the offensive line can hold up in pass protection, which is a bit of a question mark, I think the Raiders' offense is going to be one of the top five in football. Well, you hit on one thing we brought up several times when we were talking about what could hold them back. Both Bruce and I brought up the offensive line, and that's a spot where they did draft Parham in the third round, but they didn't do a lot there when we're talking about the big addition. So give us your take on this O-line and how much better can it be and how much gets put on the development of an Alex Leatherwood? A lot does, Bill. It's a great question. I mean, Colt Miller, I think this is going to be his first year of becoming a pro bowler for years to come. He's one of the better left tackles in football. And the rest of that offensive line is a bit average, and I hope these guys can take the next step. What I think is going to happen is the Raiders still have money to go out and sign an offensive lineman. I think it's going to be a priority for the Silver and Black when a high-profile offensive lineman gets released for competition for another team. I think the Raiders are going to pounce. So I think there's going to be a new offensive lineman somewhere in the interior from another team that has let go for cap purposes or whatever the competition level is going to be. And I'm hoping the Raiders bring in more depth. The offensive line has depth, but you mentioned Leatherwood, who was taken as a first-rounder, 17th overall, where he probably shouldn't have been. He would have been available in the second round. And he was really good in college, really good. An outlet award winner, a national champion, and reports are from the offseason he's in unbelievable shape. He's going to be coached by a different coach and a different offensive line coach, and hopefully he gets better because that's an important position, right tackle, and they want to move him inside to right guard because he can't play right tackle at an elite level, let alone at a high-end NFL level. So it is a concern. The Raiders' offensive line is an important key, especially with the Chargers bringing in Khalil Mack and the edge rushers that we see in the AFC West. It's important to the success of the Raiders. You know, JT, you mentioned uh, Hunter Renfro before in the addition of Devontae Adams. You know, Derek Carr ranked first in PFF passing grade on throws between the numbers in 2021. And now you add Devontae Adams, which last year uh, Derek Carr was 22nd on throws outside the numbers. I just look at this offense, and it just seems eerie similar to some of those New England Patriot offenses where you got a good slot guy like Edelman, you got a good back. Like, you know, he had in James White. You got good tight ends like Gronk. I mean, how is this offense, like, structured to what Josh McDaniels is used to? And is this what he was looking for? He, like, finally has his chance to get all those pieces together? Yeah, it really reminds us, Bruce, great point about when Randy Moss played for the Patriots and he cared and he was at the elite level and what they were able to do with running the ball, but especially the slot receiver with Edelman, Amendola, the players that they've had in the past, Wes Welker, It's part of the DNA of Josh McDaniels to open up the offense through the slot receiver, and Renfro won't be double-teamed, ever. So he'll have that battle, and he's a great route runner. And Waller, I think you're going to see Waller line up on the outside a little bit more as a receiver. Foster Moreau can catch the ball and, and take on a heavier workload like Patriot tight ends have done in the past. But it's going to come down to Devontae. He's got to be a game changer. He plays a lot of his games outdoors in cold weather in Lambeau. He's in a stadium now in a dome on a fast track in Vegas. Him and Derek have tremendous chemistry already. And Derek's going to have to feed him aggressively. And Devontae's got to have a great year. And not only Devontae, if I could switch it up on the defense, too, they brought in Chandler Jones 
to be opposite of Max Crosby. Chandler Jones has a Hall of Fame career in progress now. All he's got to do is give us two years in Vegas at a high level, double-digit sacks. He replaces Yannick Ngakwe, who played at a high level for the Raiders. He's got to be better. So if the guys who come in like Devontae and Chandler Jones play at their normal level, just their normal Pro Bowl level, the Raiders are going to have two superstars in addition to some really good players like Derek Carr. We're talking Raiders with JT the Brick here on Sirius XM NFL Radio. Well, you kind of answered my question partially with Chandler Jones and getting to the defense. You know, Bruce and I were discussing the pass rush in relation to the back end and how much help that should be. What do you think of this Raiders secondary coming into the year? Well, the secondary bill's got to be better with the pass rush. The pass rush is is really ferocious on the edge, and they have a couple of long, young linebackers who are hybrids that I believe can come off the edge too and maybe make a play. Malcolm Kuntz could be able to do that. We want to see the performance and the upgrade of Divine Diablo, also a guy who can get to the quarterback. But on the back end, it's not a strength of the team. I mean, it's uh, Trayvon Mullins coming off a foot injury. He's got to play better. He was a national champion with Clemson, came in with high hopes. This is a critical year for them and for him. They brought in Rocky Asin from Indianapolis, who Indy was high on and didn't want to trade, and the Raiders were able to get that with the Ngakwe package. He's got to step up and do what Casey Hayward did last year and play at an extremely high level. Hayward was a hell of a player for the Raiders last year, and Yasin's got to be able to do that. Then Nate Hobbs, I think, is the X factor because he can play nickel, but if he's that good, if it turns out that Hobbs is better than Mullen, then put Hobbs out there and start him as one of the quarterbacks. So they could have a nice competition level there. At the safety position, Trayvon Merrick is a really good young center fielder. He's got to do a better job at catching the football and framing it. And then it's a make-or-break year for Jonathan Abram, who's done everything right with the Raiders, but he's a liability when it comes to covering passes. We saw that with Travis Kelsey over the years. If Abram can play better as a box safety and improve in the passing game, the Raiders will have a good core and some depth there. But the corners, Mullen and Rocky Asin have to stay healthy. They have to play in all the games. They've got to do a better job turning the ball over. As Bruce knows, we've done some post games together and pregames. The Raiders don't turn the ball over. I mean, they don't catch the ball in the secondary. One of these cornerbacks and safeties got to have a breakout year. I mean, you look at the history of this team with Tatum and Atkinson and Haynes and Lester Hayes and all the great players that have played Charles Woodson. Someone's got to catch the football, turn it over, and give Derek Carr a short field. That can only be better for the Raiders this year because it's been a weakness for several years. Absolutely. Like we saw last year, they're playing the Colts. And Carson Wentz throws a beautiful touchdown pass right off the Raiders' chest. <laughs> you know, yeah. bounces into the Colts' uh, receiver's hand. So, great point. What, what's your thoughts overall about the schedule, how it's laid out for the Raiders? Any concerns you have? We talked about how tough the division is. But as you look at their whole season overall, what's some concerns that come to your mind? I got big concerns with this schedule because the league didn't do them any favors. First off, this is Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. It's not Inglewood. It's Las Vegas. We have one national primetime game at the back end of the year against the Patriots. Where's the Monday night home opener? Where's the Sunday night home opener? The last two years when they opened the stadium, they opened it up and beat Drew Brees and beat Lamar Jackson in primetime games. The Raiders don't get one till the back end of the year. The division's tough. Look, you've got to play the division. The Raiders were able to feast on the Broncos, and the Chargers 
you know, if they split with the Chargers, and Kansas City's not as good as they've been the last couple of years, I really believe the Raiders can split with them. But, Bruce, you remember last year, the Raiders lost to the Giants at the Meadowlands. They lost to the Bears at home. They lost to Heineke and the Washington Commanders at home and still won 10 games. They had a really good year. This year, the schedule is much more difficult. They play the world champion Rams. They get the Niners at home. I mentioned the Patriots, the Colts again. Uh, Jacksonville's going to be tougher because they're better. That's on the road. Really, the only gimme game they have are the Texans. This is a really tough schedule. Their bye week is early after week five, so they're getting an early bye week. And if they can get out of the gate three and two, if they can manage the schedule before the bye week, then they'll have an opportunity to put some momentum together. But they played a lot of games, Bill, last year where they won them all. (laughs) The overtime games, the last second games, the walk-off games, Vegas doesn't believe that'll happen again. The bookmakers, they have them at eight and a half. I mean, how do you have the Raiders coming up 10 wins with Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones coming in, and Vegas has got them at eight and a half. So they believe the Raiders might take a little bit of a step back because of a new coach, a new staff, everything new. I don't believe in that. I think the Raiders will be a 10 or 11 win team. They'll be back in the playoffs. So that said, let me just follow up on it. If you think they're going to be ahead of the Broncos and the Chargers, do you think they can get any closer to the Chiefs with the moves they made? Can they reel in Kansas City a little bit? Yeah, you know, Bill, the problem with Kansas City is Kansas City has owned this team for a while. The Raiders got a win two years ago in Kansas City. They played their best game in a long time. Tyreek Hill being out of the division is a really big deal. I mean, that guy's going to get a gold jacket uh, for what he did against the Raiders. I mean, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and the misdirection plays that Bruce and I have talked about at nauseum, start a play one way, bring it back the other way, and no one's there, was the Kansas City model uh, with Mahomes and Andy Reid for quite some time. That has come to an end now because Tyreek Hill isn't there anymore. He's the ultimate distraction for the Raiders. And I just think their offensive line, the team, the personnel on Kansas City is not as great as it was two or three years ago. So I'm hoping the Raiders split. With Kansas City, split with the Chargers, uh, stay, keep, stay, keep that momentum against Denver. But it's going to be hard, and those other teams are saying the same thing, guys. It's no walkover coming to Vegas. The Chargers, everybody who's in this love fest with the Chargers, oh, the Chargers are going to be unbelievable this year. Well, the Chargers got to play in the AFC West, too, and play Denver twice, the Raiders twice, and Kansas City twice. What does everybody think? They're going to sweep those teams? I doubt it. So it's going to come down to one or two critical games for all of those AFC West teams outside the division, like the Raiders having to win in Seattle, the Raiders having to find a way to beat Indy, something like that, beat the Niners, because when it comes down to the end of the season, the last three or four games in Vegas, they're going to be make or break, and the biggest games are on the back end. New England in prime time, the 49ers, the Battle of the Bay back in the day, now in Vegas. The Raiders have to stay relevant They have to be in the hunt coming down to the last quarter of the season where they can control their destiny. Uh, Last one, and I'll pass this along. This is someone who uh, tweeted me and had a question. We got so used to to hearing jackpot, baby. Who's Mm -hmm. replacing Musburger? Have they they named a play-by-play guy? I've been sworn to silence, Bill. It's a <laughs> Bruce knows this will be my twenty fourth year with the silver and black, and I stay in my lane. I know what my lane is, but <laughs> it truly is one of the great iconic positions in sports. Bill King, 
Greg Papa, Brent Musburger, and, you know, whoever gets the opportunity, and I don't know who it is, is going to have a great opportunity in Vegas to have this atmosphere, this rabid fan base, to be the play-by-play voice on the radio. And it'll be a defining position, whoever gets it, because it's a pretty cool job because you get to hang out with the legends, as Bruce knows. You get to be on the sideline with Fred Bolitnikoff. Oh, and I got to give this plug in. You want some breaking news? Breaking news. Yeah. Cliff yeah. Branch's induction into the Hall of Fame will have the most returning teammates of any player ever inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. From Peyton Manning to Brett Favre to Jim Kelly, more teammates are coming for Cliff Branch, may he rest in peace, in August than any player who's ever been enshrined. So the Raiders, it's going to be a sea of silver and black in Canton, Ohio. That's awesome. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, that is that's, that's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. Raider Nation, baby. (laughs) They they show up. (laughs) We know that. JT, we appreciate it, man. It's always great catching up with you. Thank you so much for a few minutes, and hopefully we can talk to you again down the road here. My pleasure, guys. Thanks so much. All right. That was earlier today on the NFL Blitz on Sirius XM. That was a long run with me fighting for the nation. Even the Sirius XM guys, my teammates, how good is this team? I said 10 or 11 wins. Out there for you, the members of the Silver and Black. We wrap it up on the other side. Thanks to all of our proud partners. Big softball game tonight. Raiders and Golden Knights right across the street. is 13 for 17 now. Branch to the left. Boletnikov to the right. Raiders trail. The trail 10 to 3. Quick County's back. Steps up. Throwing the bomb to Branch. Branch against Jones. Breaks a great catch. Five yard line. Touchdown Raiders. Bill King on the call. Another Cliff Branch touchdown. Summer Eclipse. Thanks for coming back. Uh, thanks to our guests today, including me on Sirius XM NFL Radio, uh, Mike Haynes, the gentleman Raider, who was absolutely fabulous. All those interviews are archived and put at Raiders.com. So you can see Phil Villapiano that made nudes saying that Stabler and Branch invented the back shoulder. Mike Haynes on what it was like to practice against Cliff and all of that. So the summer of Cliff continues. I don't know what we have the rest of the week. I, I know we have Eric Allen. In. We're going to try to get more Raiders content going from training camp. I'll be out at camp uh, later in the week, and we'll see what happens before the veterans come on in. We welcome the rookies officially to the Raider Nation, and there's some great content at Raiders.com. As you can see, the new players showing up today. Like the first day of school, big smiles showing up, ready to be Raiders and compete for an opportunity to play on the team. Bobby ran the show. Great job. Thanks to for everybody for listening at JT the Brick on Twitter and on Facebook. And thanks for listening and all of our proud partners. We greatly appreciate you. What's the weather like right now? Let me pop outside and check. Hot Bobby? Yeah. 101. It was 104 last night when I got off the radio at 11 at night. So that's not bad. We'll get to 103 today. Be safe on the roads. Have a great day. Cue on deck.